Welcome back. This is the soft count. So we got some news on the uh, podcasting front. I will be having a YouTube podcast show starting soon. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll have the pilot episode launch. So if you're a big fan of the soft count, check it out. We'll have a soft count show coming to YouTube very shortly, and it will be uh, probably about once a week. I, I don't, it is just me doing everything. I had a scholarship to film school coming out of high school, so I'm pretty good at editing and stuff. So hopefully we'll get it up and uh, we'll, we'll get an idea how long it takes to make a single episode going forward. The U.S. Open was last night. Uh, I mean, I guess it's been on for a couple days now, but the first round for Serena Williams was last night. It was packed. I mean, New York City, the Big Apple, the biggest tennis stadium in the world, and it's sold out. There's people standing to watch this match. Now, it's the first round. That's very uncommon to see the first round like this, right? But it's Serena, and people are worried that she'll get knocked out in the first round, so everybody shows up. And rightfully so. She has not played well in a long time. I mean, really, a long time. But last night, she was on fire. She she was moving well. Um she was hitting the ball well. Her serve was like she was on. What's interesting though is in the first set she um, she had two double faults in a row and then led another fault into the next serve. It was like oh my god! Like it, basically she hit the net like six times in a row on her serve. It was like oh my god! She she's done right. And then she got past that and uh, put on a master class. Looked like vintage Serena Williams. Was really really talented. Can she win the whole damn thing? Probably not. And she's realistic. She probably knows she can't win. But tennis is strange. I mean, the hardest match she'll have is in the next round. I believe she's facing like the number four ranked tennis player in the world because she was such a she does not even ranked right now. And so she was uh she's gotta go up she's gotta climb the ladder in some really tough places. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a long haul if she gets past this next round even. And she plays tomorrow. So that'd be really exciting. The, the night tennis games with a star like Serena, it's like a fight night. It's like a boxing match, you know? That's what I love about tennis. People, I don't know if people shit on tennis as much as they used to or if they just don't watch it or, or what or what they think about it. I mean, Mike Tyson was sitting courtside last night at the tennis match. Tennis is balling, and it is more like boxing than people think. I mean, the endurance you need, the fights, the fight, a fight isn't even as long as a tennis match. Some of these tennis matches... Like, if two guys are equally matched or two women are equally matched, they go on for hours. And they've tried to change some rules. They've added a new, like, sudden death round to kind of avoid this. But I remember a couple of years ago, these two guys played for, like, nine hours, you know. And then it's like whoever wins doesn't matter. Their, their, their run is over. They, can't, they have no gas left for the, next, for the next match. Serena looked good. It was a magical night for everyone. The match after that was what I was actually tuning in for. Nick Kyrgios was on after her in prime time. You know, nighttime, New York City. I was expecting some antics, you know. I was expecting him to really be on. It's like everybody's watching, Nick. You put on a show at Wimbledon. Now you're you've really crossed the line into superstardom. Like I've talked to people that don't watch tennis that now know who you are. So you got to put on a show last night. As far as quality of tennis, he put on a show. He was unbelievable. If he plays like that every single night, will he win the U.S. Open? Yes. Can he play like that every night? Probably not. It's all, I mean, nobody can. It's really hard. 
sometimes you go on a streak like that and win the U.S. Open, though. So we'll see. But he was sensational last night. His serve was, oh, my God, just filthy, unreturnable. And his return serve is fantastic. He's 6'4", he's athletic, he's, he's really talented. Last night, though, he didn't take advantage of the fact that he's probably on the biggest stage he's ever been on since Wimbledon. And, and that Wimbledon match, he became a star. You're coming into the U.S. Open a superstar now. Like, he's always been a star to tennis players. I get it. Curious has been around a little while. He's 27. All that being said, though, Wimbledon this last year made him a superstar. And now he's coming into the U.S. Open as a superstar. And unfortunately, he was going up against, like, one of his best friends growing up. And Kakanakis or whatever, however you say that guy's fucking name. And so Nick was really reserved last night. And it just, he didn't sell the show. That's part of it to me, honestly. It's a big part of it. Sports are supposed to be entertaining. And if you're just a tennis fan, last night was really entertaining because he played some exceptionally high-level tennis. It was fantastic. But if you're just a fan of wanting to see greatness or, or anything like that, if you're just a guy that's like, I got to check out Nick tonight, um, he was reserved. And I think a lot of that was he was playing his best friend. They've won uh, like – doubles tournaments together they're like actually friends you'd think that nick doesn't have any friends but he actually does this guy that he played last night (laughs) and so he was pretty reserved the whole night and i think it was pretty awkward for him because he wants to act out but he doesn't want to embarrass his friend and uh you know he kept it tight played really well though really well he doesn't seem he's made a couple comments about not wanting like he'd be okay with getting bounced early so he can just go home one of the things people don't realize about Australian tennis players is going home during the tour is almost impossible. Like they go, they tour around. Like it's not just the opens they play. They play all these different tournaments and shit. People that are tennis fans, you know, they just, they just watch tennis all the time. And most of it's in Europe and getting to Australia from anywhere else in the world takes 20 fucking hours. So he just can't fly home for a couple days and then fly back. It's, it's not feasible. So these guys get homesick. Curious, I think he's alluded to that now. Like he's pretty homesick. He wants to go home. Twenty-seven years old is old for a tennis player. But you say that, and then Serena Williams is out there just fucking wrecking people. So it's hard to say. I just don't know if this dude's ever loved like playing. I, I don't know what's. I don't know what his deal is. But when he's on and he's in a mood, it's a lot of fun to watch on television. Hopefully, we'll get to see a little more of that as the as the tournament goes on. It's funny, the really hardcore tennis players hate that aspect of him, you know? It's my favorite part. Same with McEnroe. Like, I like the guys that are fucking yelling and throwing shit. I love it. <laughs> That's why I'm watching. So, those of you that are big tennis fans and you want it to be a clean game, you remind me of my grandfather when it comes to golf. It's like, people just, they're just so against change and young and fun. It's like, everybody's the fun police. I've never met a referee or an umpire that enforces like fun rules to be somebody I like. Like these people are just anti-fun all the time. I don't get it. But I'll be watching. Serena, you got to tune in for her. She's playing again on Wednesday. Round one looked good for her. If she plays like that, which is going to be difficult, but if she plays like that, she's got a real shot. She was fifty to one in the odds to win the tournament. So that's not good. And you know, she's old and heavy, and it's hard to play like. When you're old and heavy, but you're still super athletic, round one's easy. Like, you're more athletic than everybody. But that body, she carries a lot of weight around, and it it just, you know, 
wears you out, makes you tired. And so by the time she gets to the round three or something, you know, it's or even in like the semifinals, if she were to make it that far, she's going to be gassed. It's hard. It's really, really hard to stay conditioned for tennis. I would argue that tennis is the sport. Tennis and fighting require the highest amount of conditioning of any sport in the world. I don't even think it's an argument. Preseason's over, thank God. I'm over it. Today's the first day where you're seeing all these players get cut. You know, they go from 83 to 53 or whatever, 80 players to 53-man rosters. It's a huge number. amount. Of, it's a huge number of people that just get fired in one day, in one week. I don't think people realize that in the sports world or even just in, like, the regular world, right? Like, there's never a day you – or if there is a day you come to work – and all of a sudden, like, 500 people get fired in one day. Like, that's a bad day at work. Something really went wrong at work. And now there's cutbacks, right? The NFL does it every single year at the same time. And all these people know. Like, they're all fighting all preseason to make the team so that they don't get cut on this day. <laughs> it's insane. And uh, they're putting their bodies at risk. It's really it's – a, it's a tough business. For most of the players in the NFL, it is a tough, tough business. You'll see names that you've seen a hundred times that you're like, whoa, they got cut today? Like Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay a couple years ago was the bell of the fucking NFL. This dude was out of nowhere, undrafted, tiny dude, really fast, put up a thousand yards rushing, broke his wrist, has bounced around on all these teams since then, and now he's just been cut in the preseason. It's like Oprah for him, you know? There's no guaranteed money for him. There's nothing. It's crazy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's talk a little bit about the 49ers and what they've done today. They signed Jimmy Garoppolo again for another year. And I'll tell you, mark my words. I'll say it now. Jimmy Garoppolo will play for the Niners this year. He'll be in. If Trey Lance stumbles, and it, he's going to, first of all. There is no doubt in my mind that Trey Lance is not ready. I don't think he'll ever be ready. I watched him in the preseason, and I'm telling you right now, his throwing motion, I've never seen a quarterback win a throw, win a Super Bowl with a throwing motion like that. There aren't any. Him and Sam Darnold have the same throwing motion. It's terrible. And I, I just don't ever see it translating. Now, maybe because they've got Kyle Shanahan, and they can run all kinds of option read and sweeps and jet sweep their way to a Super Bowl or something. I don't know. But my guess is that uh, Josh, or um, I'm sorry, my guess is that Kyle is going to get a couple games into the season and just be fed up with Trey Lance. Like, I can't handle it either. He's looking at the throwing motion himself, and he's just like, ugh, I hate this. Dude is just so inaccurate because of that, and he just can't change it. His brain won't allow him. And so then you have Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there, who all the team knows is, can take you to a Super Bowl. He's sitting there. He'll be in. Trust me. He's going to be playing before the season's up, and they'll probably make a run with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think what you'll find is that the biggest mistake the Niners have made in several years is trading up and then taking Trey Lance. That was a mistake. I think that mistake has been really amplified now by the fact that they just signed Jimmy Garoppolo again. They were going to cut him. They can't let go of him. They were ready to cut the cord entirely. Like, all right, this is Trey's team now. Guess what? We just signed Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not Trey's team. Jimmy's not going anywhere. Trey didn't do enough. 
and they're scared of going into the season with him and you know just some other guy. They need they they don't want him. They don't want him. They made a mistake and they know it. They absolutely know it. And seeing some news on Lamar Jackson and people kind of weighing in on what he plans to do. Here's the problem he has. He's a first-round draft pick. They took him in the bottom of the first round. They can just franchise his or franchise tag this dude for like two years, basically. He's like, oh, I won't sign. I want this guaranteed contract. Well, we're still three years away now, three seasons away from you being able to do whatever the fuck you want. That sucks for players, by the way. The, the, you shouldn't be allowed to franchise tag a quarterback. I, I just don't think it should be allowed. There's no guarantees. It's just like, I don't know. I'm starting to really dislike the franchise tag for players, especially like Lamar Jackson, who want to get paid. It's like, yo, Deshaun Watson just got $230 million guaranteed. I want that at least. I'm a better player. He is a better player. I know a lot of people would say, arguably, well, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. It's like, who cares? He hasn't played in two years, and now it's going to be almost three. And the one throw I saw him make in the preseason, he overthrew a guy by 10 feet. And just the ball landed in the middle of nowhere. It's like, you don't know what that guy is. Here's something else I want to bring up about Deshaun Watson. My favorite thing to hear right now is, not even my favorite thing to hear, it's just the funniest thing about it all is, is how naive the world is about him. Like, well, we caught him. And he, he won't be doing that again. You guys realize that dude is a serial has a serial compulsion. Like he's not gonna stop. It's gonna manifest in a new way. He'll find some new outlet. He'll find some new creepy thing he's doing. Like the dude has a problem, and uh, it's just gonna manifest in a new way. Just getting caught doesn't like solve the problem. So, just wait for that story to unfold more. Everybody thinks that story's over. And it's like, yeah, that ver- that part of the story's over, but he's not got his brain hasn't gotten any better. He's not a better person after what's happened and he clearly doesn't believe he did anything wrong after like, you know, going after 60 some women on fucking Instagram. It's like, ugh, there's like definitely a compulsion going on. And the shit you're doing is weird. Now, will he just stop? When in the history of fucking people have they just stopped? Why do you think we don't release criminals that are a da- like continuous danger? Because we do research on them. And it's like, yeah, they're going to do it again. And so it's just a matter of time for Deshaun Watson before the next phase of his compulsion manifests and becomes public knowledge. And I guess we'll deal with it when we get there, right? I mean, it's hilarious to me that people just think it's like, oh, well, now that everybody knows, they'll stop. It's like, you think? You know, you think murderers can just stop murdering because people found out they're a murderer? No. So, yeah, I mean, there's been, there's, you can you can go to college and study, like, deviant behavior like this, and, and, you know, your basic 101 class will teach you this shit is a compulsion, and it's not just going to go away. You know, the NFL is crazy. Every season, some of the craziest stories in the world and news specifically come out of the NFL. It's it's insane. And you got to start asking yourself why. Like why did this running back for the Washington Commanders get shot up yesterday? He was shot multiple times. It's like why? 
the fuck are you guys into all the time? Like, how do you just end up? And it's like, they're like, oh, it's positive. It only hit him in the leg a few times. And it's like, man, I live in the ghetto. The ghetto. And, you know, my friends aren't getting shot. (laughs) It's like, how the fuck? Every year, man, every year there's just like story after story that comes out. And the NFL is just like trying to cover it and sweep it all up all the time. It's just a constant like disaster control for NFL all the time. Their players are always getting into shit. And so this is my first season, full NFL season, as a podcast. I just can't wait. (laughs) I can't fucking wait. I wasn't doing a pod last year when the Raiders, uh, Henry Ruggs, fucking killed people with his car. Like, you know, I wasn't – and when John Gruden's emails came out, like, I didn't have a podcast going at the time. If I did, oh, my fucking God. And it's every season. You know, every season new shit like that comes about. There'll be some new Dan Snyder shit this year. That guy's a fucking lunatic. The story, every story that kind of leaks out. The problem is, is Dan Snyder's like a super, super rich, and so he'll just fight and fight and fight. But he's a scumbag, you know, human garbage. I don't know what kind of guy Ryan Brian Robinson is, but he, he might have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it just seems like NFL players are always in the wrong place at the wrong time. I, I think he was even shot while he's in a car. It's like, how the fuck are you guys just always in the shit? Oh, I love it. I, I mean, I love it. I hate it. It's just a it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I saw Stephen A. Smith throwing a fit about people being upset about Tom Brady being number one. If there's somebody I hate more than Stephen A. Smith, I, I don't know who that person is. Stephen A. Smith is the biggest charlatan con man I've ever seen. Ever. This man is a straight con artist. I cannot stand him. I even love Michael Wilbon. I think Michael Wilbon's great, and he loves Stephen A. And it's like, yeah, you've just been bewitched by this con man, and he's been conning you forever. This guy is a fucking idiot. I can't stand him. Ugh, he just talks about moving on. I don't. I, I could. I could shit on Stephen A. Smith for four hours. He's just a dude I don't like. And people are like, what do you like, Joe Rogan? It's like, no, I don't like Joe Rogan either. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I don't think he's smart. I don't. I don't like anybody that I don't think is smart. A lot of people will be like, oh, Joe Rogan's really smart. And it's like, no, he's lucky, and he's white, and he's already rich. Like, his podcast wouldn't be a success had he not already been, like, rich from his previous jobs on The Man Show and that show where he made people eat bugs and shit. He was just like a talk show host. And so he had the money and the backing and all that other shit to go along with him. I don't hate him, and I don't think he's an absolute idiot, but he's obviously not that smart. When you listen to the shit he believes in, he's just a good listener, which makes for a great podcaster, right? Like somebody that there's different skills. Like you can be stupid and still have a good skill set. Like Stephen A. Smith is a con man. That's a skill. He's a fucking idiot, but he's a con man. And when you look at somebody like, I think Joe Rogan's best quality is that he's actually a pretty good listener. I just think the stuff that he chooses to believe makes him an idiot. <laughs> like that, That's my grand take on things, right? Like, I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr goes on there and tells him he's an idiot all the time. Like, I can be friends with people I think are dumb, by the way. A couple of my closest friends I think are, like, I got a friend that was in the military forever. Forever. I call him an idiot all the time. He gets so mad at me. He's a kind person. But it's just like some of the shit he chooses to believe, especially a long time ago when he was still active in the military. I used to just be like, dude, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I just said it straight to his face. And he's like... And we just continued being friends, you know, like, I I don't care. It's just, maybe he cared, but he also realized, like, 
he thinks I'm an idiot. That's the beauty of it, right? He thinks I'm an idiot for the things I believe. I think he's an idiot for the things he believes. And we just kept being friends. Over time, he came to my side on a lot of things. He's like, wow, I was an idiot. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to each his own, whatever. Not sure where I was going with that. It started with Stephen A. Smith. It ended up with my friend being an idiot, too. <laughs> he's a good guy. I think, uh, I think the commanders are pretty, or they're flying under the radar. I'm kind of interested to see how Washington does this year. Can Carson Wentz bounce back? I doubt it. <laughs> I fucking doubt it. Last year, people forget uh, Ron Rivera, the head coach, was going through like a cancer treatments, and then he beat it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Keep our ear to the floor. Can't wait for the juicy stories to break. All these players fucking doing dumb shit. I mean, I. Every year, there's always a couple players that get caught with, like, a fucking trunk full of weed. It's like, dude, weed's legal in, like, half the fucking country now. Why are you transporting it anywhere? Like, fuck, just buy it when you get there. It's just always something, man. Guys just, I don't know what the hell they're on. So this is an interesting moment in Formula One, in a, in a Formula One season. I think everybody's accepted the fact that Verstappen's about to win another championship and so what that does is now all the other drivers it's like they almost don't care anymore and they just start saying crazy shit um like now alonzo and hamilton aren't speaking to each other hamilton took credit for, he he took responsibility for the collision now alonzo was pissed and called him an idiot and says he can only race in first which to be honest with you is the idiot thing to say anybody that doesn't think hamilton can race is a fucking either a racist or stupid those are the only two that's the only two possibilities. Either you hate black people and you can't stand that he's dominating in Formula One, or you're just fucking dumb. And you you're like, oh, he can't race. Like Alonzo just sounds like a fucking old man on his yard. Like Hamilton can't only race in first. Like, dude, last year his car was okay. He was in competition with Verstappen all year, and I watched him in the previous years. I've watched him come from the back of the track and drive all the way to the front and win. I've seen him win with a flat tire in the front where the tire is not moving. I've seen him do all kinds of shit. He is fantastic driver, and his car is a pile of shit this year, and he's still going faster than you. He's been on podiums. I'm pretty sure he's won a race this year, and I would argue that Alonzo's car and Hamilton's car really aren't all that different. And somehow Hamilton's still getting on the podium and getting a, a win once in a while. And Alonzo hasn't touched a podium since he's come back. Not even close. Dude, Alonzo has the biggest fans and the biggest fanboys. And everybody thinks he's the greatest. Alonzo's the best driver of all time. And it's like, if he was, that piece of shit car would be on a podium a couple of times a season. And it isn't. The best drivers in the world find ways to end up up there sometimes. And Alonzo's car is not better than Hamilton's car, or Hamilton's car is not better than Alonzo's car this year. They're, they're basically the same. They're both shitty. And Hamilton still finds a way to get on the podium sometimes. So, and I, and I like Alonzo, but he really looked like a fucking idiot, like a baby. And all of his fans and friend, all the people that support Fernando, they're just like, you guys look like idiots too. You look like racists, mostly. Or idiots. It's like, I can't. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. Like, if you hate Hamilton... Now, if you hate Hamilton, that's fine. You can hate him for being great and winning and being on Mercedes, but you can't say he's a bad driver. That's like, I don't know. It's dumb. I saw that Max Verstappen's tear-off. So those of you that are new to Formula One, 
their visors have layers of these tear-offs so that when bugs hit it, they can just tear off one of the visors, right? And they just throw it out the window. It's not even a window. They just tear it off and let it go, and it flies out into the air. One of those tear-offs got stuck in Leclerc's brake ducts uh, during the race. Max Verstappen's tear-off got stuck in Leclerc's brake ducts. I think it's time to start maybe looking at, like, a little slot to put your tear-offs in inside the car. Like, maybe it's time to stop throwing those out because – the other thing they can do is they can get stuck under on a tire, like they melt to the tire, and then you have a bald spot on the tire where the tear off is. These, you know, these visors. So that's why Leclerc really struggled. One of the tear offs got stuck under his brake ducts. I'd be interested to see if they could find that when it happened. I'd like to see how that goes down because it's almost you could almost do that as a technique, right? As a driver, like I'm going to take a tear off and throw it back at this car behind me. <laughs> like, what? Did, I mean, why not? Uh, so, yeah, they might have to start taking a look at that. I'm not sure what happened to Daniel Ricciardo. He was a crowd favorite. People really loved him. And he's jumped around. I think the biggest mistake he let made was leaving Red Bull. He probably should have never left Red Bull. He should have stayed there with Max Verstappen and, and fought. And then when he went to Renault, I think he probably should have stayed there as well. And then he left there. And I just think maybe his career is kind of unraveled to the point where there's no recovering. Those of you that really love Daniel, I totally get it. He's a great driver. Something's d- different in his mind. I'm not sure he loves it as much as he used to. And as gung-ho and as like kind of thrill-seeking guy as he seems, when he's not in the car, when he gets in the car, he does seem a little afraid now, which is, you know, you can't win that way. So we've got the Dutch Grand Prix this weekend. Expect Max Verstappen to destroy it's his home race so he's gonna go out there and fucking wreck everything watch out we get some bets in this week for the fights coming up we gotta wait two long weeks for football it's like god damn why fucking dumb college football starts this weekend i saw the big the big week one game is ohio state and notre dame that'll be fun i kind of hate college football those of you that are tuning in and want to talk to me about college football i used to love it And as I've gotten older and older, I just don't like it anymore. There's too much bad football, not a lot of competition. You see, like Ohio State's got a player. they got two guys that are, you know, stud studs. The uh, Trevante Henderson, the running back, I saw him his freshman year. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be great. And then, like, two games later, he had, like, 400 yards. I was like, yep, he's great. The guy I didn't see coming is a Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you're an Ohio State fan, that guy, watch out. He's probably going to break every fucking record Ohio State's got it for wide receivers this year. I think he might be the most talented wide receiver that's ever played at Ohio State. That's saying a lot because some of my favorite players at Ohio State have been wideouts. But after last year and watching him play and, and the talent he has, we had great wideouts in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year, and he was better than both of them. He's going to be special. Watch out. Talk to you guys this weekend. Wish you luck on your bets. Have a good evening.